Okay, well, I'm trying this again, seeing if it works. I'm gonna move everything around. My music is way too fucking loud right now. I can't even hear it myself. Ugh. Me and my creaky chair. Oh, I haven't recorded an episode in way too long. And I kind of forgot my whole routine. So I'm doing things differently tonight. Um, I'm also hearing myself pretty loudly. Um, hmm. Let's lower my own voice, because I don't want to hear myself that much. Um, voila. And let's actually play something. If I check that it's... Are we still recording? Are we still recording? Yes, we are. Okay. Perfect. All right. Well then. Aha, uh -huh, I can actually see shit now. Okie dokie. Oh, how do I undo this? The issue of having like different screens. Aha. Aha, aha, aha. Well then, perfect. This actually took a bit longer than I thought it would. And I wanted to let's put some random some some random video in the background. Okay. <laughs> this is I'm gonna be looking at this all night. It's, I mean, it's already, what is it now? It's 1.30 p.m.? The a.m.? No, it's, oh, not even, it's, it's a midnight 30. It's not that bad. Uh, water break for, if I include this in the, if I include this in the, in the, in the, in the montage, in the podcast. Drink your water. It's healthy. Don't forget. Um, of course, whoever's listening, whatever you're doing right now, I hope you are having a nice morning, afternoon, evening, or night. Uh, it's currently the middle of the night for me right now. It's kind of grayish outside. I mean, I'm assuming it's gray because there's just no clouds. Um, and, and no light. I have my, my LEDs. The gamer... Gamer lights. <laughs> my gamer lights turned on. So that I don't burn my fucking eyes off. And I might actually reduce. Oh, yes. Reduce the brightness of my screens because it is late. And I'm going to sleep after this anyways. After I finish recording and after I finish editing. But, um, yeah. 
so far so good and i think that yeah it's going pretty well but I, I yeah i haven't done this in ages it's been i think quite a few months i think the last episode was probably december i don't know now it's may beginning of may woof woof um i gotta gotta go back to doing more episodes because this is still pretty fun and i mean when you got nothing to do it's better than other shit i guess i, I don't know actually i don't know let's not let's not value different things different ways because everything has different values and you can't compare if that makes sense I'm very much sober right now, for any anybody wondering. Um, this is just my normal train of thought. But yes. In any case... Welcome back to Broken Apples. The show where I talk about random bullshit, and one day, hopefully, I will invite other people to talk about random bullshit. Um, because why the fuck not? And not many people listen to this anyways, so might might as well have fun with it, in a way. So, it's mostly going to be me and my creaky chair, and my water breaks at random intervals. They're kind of like surprises, and then you get to listen to me slurp the water and i find it very funny but also i hope that it's not like horrible sounding on your ears because that would be a little bit uh annoying and i would understand but yeah i'm actually going to listen to something else right now because i'm listening to some random playlist of just techy kind of songs and I'm actually going to put on some jazz because I am so sophisticated. <laughs> no, <laughs> I just like jazz, um, and it's fun to listen to. It's like a, it's a nice uh, sort of relaxy kind of genre. I feel where you can just get lost in it and. I mean, the first song that played, because I always play random, like, uh, shuffled playlists. And this first song is uh, Miles Davis' song, which is one of, one of the best, uh, most, I, I wouldn't say best, but one of the most well-known jazz artists of his time. And in my opinion, I think jazz is... It's really interesting because on one hand, it's very, it's not like, um, how to say, it's not numerical, no, it's not ca counted, it's not measured, it's more kind of, like the best kind of jazz just comes as it goes, It it's improved and it's, it just flows, and that's really nice, and for me at least wanting to get into a flowy kind of mood listening to some flowy kind of songs is generally a pretty good thing and i actually was in uh, 
Paris last weekend for just two days. And I mean, last weekend, literally today is uh, Wednesday, technically. I still think it's Tuesday because I have not been to sleep yet. That's how I count days. If I haven't gone to bed, then it's still the same day. It could be 3 a.m., but it would still be Tuesday. And when I wake up, then it will be Wednesday. Does anybody else do that? Or am I the only weird? I don't think I'm the only one. I think there's many other people. Or maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yes, so I was in Paris literally four days ago. And it was very nice. I was with two friends of mine for a project. We were there for an art history project uh, where the task is to create an itinerary. So for this entire block, for this entire section of the year, pardon me, hiccups, for this entire like last section of the year, because I know that there's different ways to, the year is divided in different ways for different people, for different for different countries, for different programs and so on. And in the Netherlands, in Groningen, in Groningen, or you say Groningen over here, um, my Dutch has been getting better, by the way. <laughs> but so in, in Groningen, uh, for us, each year is separated into four blocks. So there's two semesters, and each semester there's a quarter semester, pretty much. And so one block is a quarter semester, and we don't have big midterms after a first semester and big finals at the end of the year. It's more at the end of each quarter semester, we have exams for the lectures we had during those quarter semesters. And once the quarter semester is done, all the lectures that were had uh, in that quarter semester will not be taken again later on. So you have to pass each of these exams, otherwise you'll have to take them again next year, or you might not even pass if you, don't, if you fail too many classes. So it can be a little bit tricky. Um, but on one hand, I think it's pretty cool because instead of having something like high school where for the entire year you have every single class and you always have them and then you have exams kind of sprinkled all over the place. Let's say, for example, history. Um, and then at the end of the year, you'll have like, for example, for your your high school diploma, you'll have big exams at the end of the year. Well, if you translated that, if you translated that into... A university here in the Netherlands, it would be history. You would have, let's say, you would only have that for the first quarter semester, or for the first quarter. Let's just say because a quarter, it's not even it's a half semester, not a quarter semester. What am I saying? Quarter of the year, not the quarter semester. For 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 a first quarter, you'd have um, you'd have three courses, and so in total for the entire year, you'd have twelve courses which is kind of the same as in high school. You have 12 courses that are all throughout the year. And for, like in high school, for your first quarter, you'd have like, I don't know, history, geography, and English literature. And then at the end of the first quarter, you'd have your final exams for those three classes. And then after that, you would never have English literature or history or geography ever again. And then you'd have, I don't know, sports and maths and physics and so on and so forth. And I think it's a pretty cool way because I only have to focus on three modules, three courses, pretty much, at a time. No matter when it is in the year, I only have three courses to focus on. 
And so I only have to study for those three courses, but I also only have to attend those three courses. So it's 12 hours a week, uh, which is usually for each course, you have two hours of lectures and two hours of seminars. And that makes 12 hours a week, which is pretty nice. And so for my last quarter right now in art history, I one of my modules is called the European Metropole Excursion, the European Cultural Metropole Excursion. And that is a module where I have no lectures at all for the entire quarter, for the entire block. And instead, with my group, I am supposed to go to a city, any city in Europe, and I we have to create an itinerary, like a travel path, for anybody else but that's just for like the final grade that's what we have to do and in this itinerary we have to choose one work of art that is public in that city one building so an architectural building i mean all buildings are architectural but one building for the sake of an architectural analysis and then one garden or park for an analysis as well and then so you have to analyze all of these three categories and then present them in your itinerary and then you have to also say this is how you go from one to the next and so on and so forth and you're very it's, it's really free um, the only kind of requirements are to not choose a place or an artwork or a garden or park that is way too famous say for Paris for example you wouldn't choose the Eiffel Tower because it is so well known that like come on that's just too easy you know, make it a bit more of a challenge. That's kind of the point of the course. So that the teachers know that you actually put time in and you actually did some research and you actually went to the city to find something and blah, 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 blah. So, yes. And so that's what uh, I did on in Paris. And after we chose, well, we had already chosen our, our three main points to analyze. And so the second day, we just kind of roamed the roamed the streets and did whatever tourists do, pretty much. Um, well, mostly my two friends because I grew up in Paris. This is this my city, so I know pretty much most of the places, and I don't see them as a tourist. I see them as a local. But yeah, we went to the museums, the Louvre, to l'Orangerie, which has all the water lilies from Claude Monet, which they're very, very nice paintings, and the atmosphere is really nice, but the amount of tourists that go there is insane. Um, so I usually, when I do go to L'Orangerie, I just skip through the water lilies, because I have seen them, I think, four or five times by now. And I just go to the more interesting parts of L'Orangerie, which has the more ephemeral um, exhibitions. And and when we went there this weekend, they had an exhibition about, about, what's his name? I forgot his name already. Henri Matisse. That's uh, the guy who was whose exhibition was present. And so it was very nice. And the only issue was that it was very very loud, and I have started to sketch more and to draw more so i now bring a sketchbook everywhere i go 
because I want to get better. I'm really shit at it, um, or at least I think so. But I do want to practice more to get better. And I felt like, you know, Paris is the place to be, you know? That's where you can just sketch people that are just walking around, being all stylish. One thing that I love about Paris is people dress well to dress well, instead of just dressing well for special occasions. People make sure that they look their best when they go out in the city, which is really nice. And that's something that I I missed when I was living in Germany, for example, because in Germany, people dress, most of the time they dress practically, and it's fine, you know, everybody has their own choices, and clothing is one of them. But in Paris, people do, more often than not, they will dress well, and they will dress well for themselves also, more than anything. Or at least that's been my experience, that people dress well for themselves. Um, but it's also a confidence boost, I guess. When you choose to dress well because you want to look good for yourself, or you want to feel comfortable for yourself, it doesn't have to do with being aesthetic or being socially attractive or or attractive in general. I mean, that doesn't really matter. But I think it's really nice to be able to wear what you want to and, and, and that it would make you more confident and make you more comfortable. And for Paris being such a big city, for being such an active city, I think that's very nice. And while I was there looking at all of Henri Matisse's paintings and sketches, because there were also, it was really interesting, is there were a lot, a lot of sketches by him, a lot of his studies that he made. So his studies for his later on his painting so he was not his studies as in like his school studies but he would make himself study because he had the aim or the goal to achieve a specific painting so he would sketch his ideas first and that's really interesting to see because there were so many different versions of the same painting and then you would actually see the full size painting and that's what it was meant to look like and and so you see the first drafts and ideas pretty much which is pretty interesting it's like it's like first drafts for a novel or for a newspaper article or something um but in its artistic form instead which is really really nice and it was really really loud though so i just i couldn't take it anymore all these people being way too loud so i just put on my headphones and and listened to some jazz and uh I started sketching, I just took out my, 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 my sketchbook and I had like three pens and I didn't need anything more, I had like a a pencil, not actually a pencil, like a, oh, I never remember the word, it's called a criterium in French, fun word, it's, it's those pencils that like have the, they're like, they're only made of plastic but they have the tiny, very thin, like carbon stick that draws with. And so you just click the end of the pen to make the carbon stick come out more. I completely forgot the English name. But whatever, you. I hope you understand. And if you don't, well, it's just like a fancy pencil in a way. It's the same characteristics as a pencil, just very, very fine lines. So I had that. I have like a weird um, ink pen that I actually stole from someone like five years ago. I don't even know who it was. It was just a very nice pen and I kept it. 
um, because what's really interesting is it takes the ink from fountain pens and it's actually a ballpoint pen. So it's a ballpoint pen with fountain pen ink, which is very cool, I find. I think it's it's much more sophisticated than um, normal ballpoint pens. But then the pen itself is totally like old and it's like a shitty ass pen now, but I like it. I, I care about it. It's a nice pen that I like. And also I I love fountain pen ink, but ugh, I'm I'm my handwriting is dog shit and being able to write with a ballpoint pen because I write also pretty fast and pretty shitty and I don't know, it's just nice. And so yeah, I I did some pretty nice sketches that I was proud of. Um I got some fun looks, I think. I don't know, I didn't really care about people looking at me. I was just in my own world listening to music and it was very nice. And from time to time I'd have people that just smiled at me. That saw me and they were like, oh, hmm, sketching. Probably like an art student or something. And I was like, hey, hey, nice. <laughs> but then in, I did the same thing in the Louvre. I can't, I can't go to the Louvre with no music anymore. It's just way too loud, way too many people. And it's such a headache. Just thinking about it is just uncomfortable. I'll have a drink of water and a water break for all you listeners. Drink water. This beautiful sound of me swallowing water. But in the Louvre, the I had these two people that didn't speak French or English and one of them was talking is this this young woman who was talking to either her father or I think it was her father probably because she was pretty young she looked like I don't know 19 or 18 or something and she was talking to her father I think and just he kept looking at me sketching a sculpture and and then the guy looks at me, but they were both like so obvious about it. They weren't hiding it at all. They were just clearly just looking at me and they were like right next to me as well. And so I knew that they like they were talking about, oh, there's like somebody sketching or something. And then the father just kind of walks right behind me to look over my shoulder. And I had barely started this sculpture, like ske ske sketching. And ugh, that gave me the ick. I was like, no, don't do that. Don't. That bothered me a lot. Also because I'm a beginner, or I, I would consider myself a beginner when it comes to drawing and sketching. And so I had nothing really to show. It was just like basic shapes and very ugly as well. And I just should just, I was like, yeah, there's nothing to see. I, I should just started this sketch. Like this is nothing. And, and they smiled and then they walked away and I was like, I was kind of uncomfortable. Um, but whatever, I had my music after that, and all that to talk about the funsies of listening to music. I don't know, it, it's cool to get into a vibe, get into a creative flow, which is nice. I mean, in the same way that I'm talking right now in this podcast, and listening to the music and watching some random chill video with just colors. Yeah. <laughs> But in any case, 
I don't really have a lot of ideas for what to talk about in this podcast, so you're just going to listen to me kind of scratch my brain around and uh, think of what to talk about, pretty much. But I, I, I did have some ideas. I mean, for example, uh, I read this book by... by blah, 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 blah. Yes, words. I read this book by Neil Gaiman, or Gaiman. I don't know how to say his name, but he's an amazing author. If you have not read any of his books, they're really, really good. Whether it's children's literature or more adult level writing or more like essays. Um, I read one of, so it's it's a, it's a very sh- small book, very short book uh, that was actually illustrated by Chris Riddell, I believe was a New York Times uh, illustrator and I believe it was Chris Riddell who compilated five very short stories and essays by Neil Gaiman and put them in this book and illustrated them. So one of them is called Going Woodwow and Going Woodwow, Woodwow being W-O-D-W-O and it's about going back to the forest. This man who, or this 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 kind of um, animalistic almost urge to remove all your clothes and take everything off and just go back to the forest and find like a little alcove or find a little spot under a big tree and just stay there and be surrounded by nature sounds and going back to nature. And just not being burdened by anything else. Very kind of... I thought it was interesting, like, animalistic urges and and, and sort of natural wishes. But there were some also really, really other interesting things. One of them was about why you should make good art. Most, well, the, the most, most of the book is about art and being artsy and being creative and why it's important to cultivate that and to make good art and it was really good because the beginning is all about sort of well nails interests and well nails opinions about you know the freedoms and and the freedom of speech and freedom to create and and then the importance of librarians and libraries which is really really cool how librarians are they really have such a an important role in our society when you really think about it how how they're the ones that are there to protect knowledge and to give it out um it's like you really should go to libraries and and talk to them and they will they'll know what books you want to read or what books you should read if you're interested in something else or if you had read this before oh my bad i'm just kicking bags around in my room um i move i move my hands a lot when i speak and i forget that there's stuff everywhere <laughs> but it was really really interesting about that and then he also talked about his career and because he's a writer and and how he started off he started off saying you know you should you should do whatever you can 
like lying on your resume for example because who the fuck is gonna check um i'd I'd say also i'd agree with that that you should probably probably (laughs) i can't speak today you should probably lie on your resume and you should you know take advantage of stupid things because it's a small world and and what do you gain from it like what do you lose from it especially you don't have much to lose especially if you're looking for a job but another thing he was talking about was how if you are working in a creative field you should there's a there's the problem of money a lot of the time and a lot of people do work for the money and that's fine there's no shame against that everybody's got to make a living and that's totally okay but what he was arguing for is the fact that you should make good art even when you do that and you should not do something that is only for the money and so when you do do something you should do something that makes you proud to have done it and the reason for that is that if you don't end up getting the money you're still left with something that you made that you're proud of having made and that you can say that this is yours and that was really interesting because he also talked about his life experience and having written books purely for the money and then at the end something happens and the editor goes bankrupt and then in the end no copies are sold and even he isn't a big fan of his own writing which is a shame whereas if he had written something he really put his heart and soul into and he was really proud of having made even if he doesn't get the money he still gets the book and he still gets something that he is proud of and it's the same for art if you make something that you don't like yourself and it's purely for the money if in the end that money doesn't come what are you going to do with that it would be a shame and i thought that was really interesting and so that was one of the arguments of making good art and why you should make good art But that's really just a glimpse of the book and I I would highly recommend anybody else to, I mean anybody, everybody else to read it. It, I literally spent 30 minutes. I was on the bus for four hours. I read the book in 30 minutes and I was rereading things. So I was taking my sweet old time to read it. I wasn't, I wasn't uh, eating through the book. Although in my, in my mind I was, I was, I was definitely eating the entire book. I was, I was eagerly flipping the pages every time even though i kept i kept rereading the sentences to try to make them make more sense in my head because i was working on a lot of lack of sleep <laughs> but it's a very good book though i highly recommend i bought another book in paris i bought a book about it's a it's a murder mystery slash dystopian apocalypse kind of thriller um, it's okay. It's not too bad. It's called uh, the last, the the last, and it's about it's it's kind of um, similar to Agatha Christie's, and then there were none. In the way that it takes place in a hotel in Switzerland, after the end of the world, pretty much nuclear apocalypse, um, 
one thing that kind of annoyed me was the fact that there weren't any... It wasn't very heavily... Uh, it wasn't very... Ugh, words. It wasn't very interesting from that perspective because you're thrown into the world as the apocalypse is happening, as the, the nuclear apocalypse is happening, and I don't know, nuclear missiles are launched and hit Washington, for example. And that's like the first cataclysmic event that happens. And having studied international relations for a year, I was a little bit disappointed because uh, attention to detail <laughs> and, and, and having studied about the entire political world and then you read something that is a work of fiction um, and it doesn't exactly line up with something that you know about. It kind of... But at the same time, you know, suspension of disbelief, it is a work of fiction and you gotta just ignore that. Which is <laughs> which is also kind of fun. And uh, it's pretty good. I mean, I, I read almost half the book in one evening. I finished reading at like uh, 2 or 3 a.m. I started at midnight <laughs> and uh, I read for 2 or 3 hours. I read half the book. It brought me back to when I was an avid reader, when I was much, much younger, and I would just plunge through entire books in one night. That's, that's how I read all the Harry Potter books, although I do not condone J.K. Rowling, and she sucks ass, and she is very transphobic. Um, they were the first kind of big literature I was reading when I was, I don't know, um... I'd say maybe nine or ten, something like that, and I would read all the books. I read them all in the span of like a few months, um, and then I just kept on reading a lot, and reading is really, really interesting. It's, it's on one hand interesting, but on the other hand it's also very important, um, and that's like if, if you want, you know, a... a if you want an educated society, you should make them read more. And that's what Albert Einstein said as well. He said that if you want kids to be intelligent, read them fairy tales. And if you want your kids to be more intelligent, read them more fairy tales. And that's, I think that's pretty crazy. That's pretty cool. But yeah, reading really... is very, very important. That's also kind of tying back to what Neil Gaiman was talking about in his in his short essay about why libraries and librarians are so important and the importance of reading is that you learn so much, not just not just vocabulary, but also being thrown different ideas and dif different ideologies and different worlds and kind of being formed by this variety and, 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 and this, these conflicts. And that's really how you would learn more. And that's pretty fascinating. So to you, university students who aren't reading enough, pick up a book anywhere, anytime. The amount of libraries in cities, I, at least for Groningen and for Paris that I know of, there's a shit ton of bookstores, libraries, even like uh, secondhand bookstores. 
are insane. I've picked up so many books from secondhand bookstores and so far I've not yet been disappointed by my choices. I mean, one book that I picked out last year was way too dense and I have not finished it, even though it's like, I don't know, 200 pages, um, because it's a book about the linguistics of fashion. And it's quite literally about the exact wording behind the fashion world. And so it's also by a crazy French philosopher, um, if I can remember his name, because the book is literally on my bookshelf, Roland, Roland Barthes, or Roland Barthes. <laughs> Roland Barthes, who... So the book is called Système de la Mode, Systems of Fashion, and it's literally about all the linguistical systems behind fashion. And so he took, for an entire year, he took all the fashion magazines, he took them all from an entire year, and he analyzed them, and he analyzed all the words. And so he talks about literally, like, what makes, what is this? What is this object? What is this aspect called? What is uh, a shirt that has a pocket, but not another pocket? And so it's not really a fashion, it's not a book about fashion itself, but it's more about kind of, um, what's the word? It's, it's more about numerizing and quantifying fashion linguistically, which is, it's a very, very dense book. It's from the 1970s or 80s, I believe, or maybe 60s, maybe late 60s. Um, and it's, it's good, but oh, it's very dense and very kind of scientific in a way. But, you know, it's not a disappointing book either. I have, I, 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 I didn't learn a lot per se for myself because I, I kind of was reading it to distract myself more, but it was interesting. And I, I couldn't say what I learned from it that much, but it was more the experience of reading it was interesting. But anywho, I think enough about books. Books are great, but <laughs> there comes a point where I will talk for hours on end about one specific thing, and variety is also pretty cool. Also, knowing that we are in a time of unfocusedness. That's not a word, but I will now pretend that it is. <laughs> how, how humans are just so used to being focusing on different things all at once. I mean, we have an attention span of, I don't know, what is it, eight seconds, I believe? Something like that. Um, which is really short. I mean, think about it, eight seconds, and then your attention goes to something else. It's kind of cray-cray, uh, kind of crazy. Because, I mean, yay TikTok, and yay Instagram Reels, and Instagram Posts, even. I mean, every single app is turning to it. Now there's YouTube Shorts. Apparently Reddit. I read something how Reddit was considering doing something similarly to Reels and Shorts. Um, Be Real also is changing now and you can put different photos. 
who knows, maybe one day they'll be able to finally tap into the market of short videos once a day, and then it'll be several videos once a day, and then who knows? It's just getting worse and worse. <laughs> I mean, I'd be a hypocrite if I said that I didn't do it. So don't worry, I'm also part of the loop. I'm I'm a, an, an Instagram Reels kind of person. I deleted TikTok in September and I was like, okay, good riddance. And then I got stuck on Instagram. And uh, whoops, what can I say? <laughs> but I forgot what I was saying about focusness. Which ties into my point perfectly, actually. <laughs> because I myself got unfocused. I have three different things going on in front of me. I have the video, I have Spotify, which doesn't change much, only the the song push it, the song album thing, image. I don't know the words. In French you say a push it for like an album image. That's what I was referring to. And then I have the recording software on my computer for this beautiful podcast. Which I will then have to cut up and add audio, like music, little fancy sounds that you hear at the beginning and end of my podcasts. And uh, yeah. Oh, I forgot. Last uh, last episode at the beginning of my episode, I, I did like I snapped my fingers and I thought that was a pretty good uh, that was a pretty good start to the podcast. And now I forgot. That's very telling of me to not have actually not have not have done any episodes very recently well whoops what can you do you know it's not as if i had thousands of listeners anyways who were eagerly waiting so i don't mind i'm i'm pretty okay with that what is interesting though is kind of i wonder sometimes what people do when they listen to podcasts not just my podcast but podcasts in general um I mean, regular listeners will probably know that I listen to podcasts to go to sleep most of the time. But then I don't know what people do. I don't know if you stay at home and you're like chill at home and you listen to podcasts. Or is it more something like you're on a bus and you're going somewhere? You know, if you're just having a, a daily trip somewhere to university, to school, to work, do you just plug in a podcast or is it also more if you want to take a break from work or take a break from school or take a break from anything else and you just you just pop a podcast like you pop a pill <laughs> i don't know it's interesting though i think it's pretty cool what people do and when they do it people are weird and funky i always think humans are just dumb creatures I mean, we're so stupid. We we get unhappy when we don't have sun and water. We're just big plants that need to photosynthesize. And eat, you know, but that's besides the point. Plants also eat. They need nutrients. We need nutrients. But, like, when there's a lack of sun, you know, the entire... Everything goes to shit. And I hate it. I, On one hand, I think it's very funny, but I also hate having to need the sun 
because I live in a place where there is not that much sun. So I need it more often than not. And it's crazy how little things can totally change your mood. If you open your windows all day and you get fresh air. And then if you don't do it and then you have like stuffy stuffy kind of rooms and it's like why are you breathing in stale air why can't you just open your window and then you're like oh no but i'm lazy or i forgot or i didn't see time pass i don't know i don't know i mean i don't think stale air is the least of is the, the biggest of our worries when smoking is a thing and when vaping is a thing and when cities are literally just pumping out fucking carbon monoxide or whatever monoxide which is so healthy <laughs> i mean think about paris for example which is a crazy amount of cars in the city tokyo people i mean a lot of sort of uh eastern asian cities where people wear masks on a daily basis because of pollution levels it's really crazy to think about but hmm, humans are pretty fragile which is uh kind of ironic because we're the ones at the top of the food chain and we're also very brittle our bones can snap so easily our necks can break we have our brain in a very weak part of our body that's uh not very covered, I guess, in a way. Doesn't have a lot of protection. When it gets very cold, we get frostbite on our fingers, which is, like, the things we need the most. It's very stupid. I mean, octopuses have, I don't know, two brains, I think? I believe it's two brains. And then I bet I'll get the whole debate of octopuses or octopi. And you can actually say both, so shut up. I'm right, and you're also right. <laughs> it's like mooses when in reality you should just say moose I think both are also allowed god linguistics is weird or linguistics are weird wow look at me making grammatical mistakes and correcting myself it must be kind of <laughs> kind of annoying <laughs> water break though everybody drink some water stay hydrated One thing that I saw, which was pretty interesting, was about the fact that you should use your valuable items. Because a lot of people have, I don't know, things that are very valuable and they don't use a lot, whether it's clothes or most of the time it's like families that have, you know, a collection of pots and pans above their mantle or like somewhere hung up in the house just to be pretty. And it's like those pots and pans are perfectly usable i'm thinking of like copper pots and pans for example that are really great to cook like they they heat up super quickly and they maintain heat and they're really really good at cooking because that's what they're made for but because they're like gifts and they're so expensive and you don't want to use them you don't want to ruin them but it's like why not like they're that's what they're made for and isn't using things that are more valuable just a way to enjoy them more I think that's 
that would be better to to it would be better to use them more because then you actually you use them for the value that they have as a gift and uh, they aren't just some decoration that will just collect dust which i think is kind of sad um i was given a a sweatshirt made from wool from morocco that was hand woven with this beautiful um blue threads and i'm wearing it right now um but I, I i would never just not use it because it's such a nice sort of small sweater sweater and i want to appreciate the artisanry and the craft that went into making this and eventually getting to my possession and you know it was made with care but it was also made and intended to be worn by people it wasn't made to just be hung up on a wall um that's the same for like i don't know expensive records or something i don't know they're when i think about records that are different colors like some people would hang them up or special editions or whatever they're made to be played they're made to be you know they're still at the end of the day they're still an object of music that you should play whether it's a record or a musical instrument or a garment clothing or pots and pans or even like a watch or anything really it should be used should be cared for it should be loved much more than it should be hung up and stared at because then if it is actually properly cared for and and taken care of it could still be very much used in the future because it is well made because it is i don't know handcrafted because it is strong like those copper pots you know you can get them i don't even know what could happen i was thinking yeah you can get them fixed but what would even happen to break a pot like break a metal thing i don't know the handle could snap off and that's the i think that's the biggest of my worries it's not like you can burn a hole through them you know or or tear them up like like clothing and if that ever does happen that you snap the handle or something then you get it fixed and that just means that it's been even more loved the fact that it's been fixed and it's been cared for just like that um i think it's a japanese way of fixing broken uh porcelain by using this gold paint and instead of hiding the glue to put all the pieces back together you're actually accentuating the fact that it has been broken but it has been fixed and so that's what the the gold is there for and i think that's really cool as really beautiful objects that have been fixed and they did break but look they're they're fine now and they've been fixed with care and with love and now they're good as new and you can use them and they're even more beautiful in a way because now they have so much more decoration and they have more value they they're more than just the basic kind of object that they were before they've survived and that's pretty cool i don't know
I hope that maybe to those of you who have prized possessions, I hope that this inspires you to actually use them and do something about them, not just, I don't know, leave things around. Just how books are meant to be read and bicycles are meant to be ridden and glasses are meant to be drunk out of. Or if you have expensive wine or something, fucking drink it. What's the point of it just not being used? The world is small and life is short. And, you know, go for it. Be stupid, be reckless. But uh, enjoy it. That's the, that's the whole point. Because if you can't enjoy something that has no meaning, by that I mean life, then what's, what are you doing, you know? Anywho, I don't know. I'm just talking bullshit. I'm just uh, a white person with a podcast. <laughs> it is raining outside, though, which is very nice, very soothing. I've always loved when it rains outside. It's like perfect weather to just stay at home and make yourself something hot to drink, like some tea or coffee, eh, not coffee, some tea or some hot chocolate. That's like the two, the two things you can make when it, when it does rain. And, uh, it's a vibe, got a vibe, Oh, bad songs, I mean, songs in general. What is a good song anyways, you know? Anything can be a good song, subjectively, but objectively, there isn't really a definition for a good song. I mean, if you think about songs, thousands, not thousands, I'm thinking hundreds of years ago, of course there were songs thousands of years ago, and even before, there's been, I think music has been a part of humanity ever since we were a thing. I mean, even animals make music and discover music. But I'm thinking about, like, for example, classical music, where good music could only be a specific thing. And when I think it was Beethoven or Bach who made a song and uh, like a whole composition, and then people who listened said that, no, this is terrible. This is just noise. This is not music. This is noise. And now today we look at it and we're like, ah, yes, classical music. This is, uh, you know, something only rich people listen to, and uh, which is not true. Uh, anybody can listen to classical music. Everybody has the right to. Everybody should, I think. But now it's not noise anymore. And I'm thinking about genres that are today considered kind of like noise, like hyperpop, for example, which objectively it is a genre that has very synthesized vocals and, you know, stretched sounds, things that are very extreme, I guess, in a way, um, that are very, like, the sound is very treated, and it's all warped. It could be considered noise by people that consider the only good music, um, like classical music, for example. But maybe in in a hundred years, hyperpop will be like 
the same as what classical music is to us now. Which is pretty wild. In the same way that in the past, good art was religious art, and good art was something that had to be a representation of nature, of something that already existed. And then modern art came in, and you had people like Clement Greenberg, Clement Greenberg. He's a New York guy, he's not a French guy, but he's got a French first name, Clément. I think I think it's Clément. It might be Clarence. I don't know, but he's called Greenberg, that's for sure. And what he said was, you know, when you copy nature, even if you copy nature really, really well, well, actually, that's going to be kitsch. It's, 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 it's kitsch now. It's, uh, it's not good art. It's not high art. If you want to make good art, you have to make something that common people don't understand. It's got it's to gotta raise questions in the art world, but only for people to not understand. And that would be really good art. Thinking about Jackson Pollock, for example, who made all these big paintings by just splashing ink around. And it was incredibly modernist art. And for, for Greenberg, Jackson Pollock was really great because people who looked at it didn't like it because it wasn't good art. For him, for Greenberg, bad art was like, for example, um, I don't know, let's have this painting of a horse. And what does it mean? Well, it means it's a horse. And so common people would be like, oh yeah, that's really a great painting. It's a great representation of a horse. It, it's very realistic. And for Greenberg, he was like, no, this is uh, not good art. This is bullshit. This is kitsch. Um, you should not make art like that. And if you do, then you're a piece of shit, uh, pretty much. You should make stuff that nobody understands. And that is good art. That is modern art. It's just like uh, Jackson Pollock. And uh, then after a while, people started understanding Jackson Pollock and they were like understanding that you, know, you gotta this asks questions and you gotta you gotta ask yourself questions and you gotta think about it you can't just look and, and appreciate it and when common people started enjoying Jackson Pollock um, Greenberg had a fit and he was like no why Jackson Pollock is no longer good art it's no longer modern art because people understand it water break don't forget drink water Stay hydrated. But, I don't know. And uh, we have modern art that is, you know, I don't know, what, what, 70 years ago was considered, at the very start it was considered uh, bullshit, and now it's it's like amazing. A, a bit more than 70 years ago, let's say 80 years ago. Uh, something like that. 75 or so. Eh, whatever, semantics. And, um, I don't know, now you have... You have completely crazy works of art, you have mixing of mediums. Well, this, I had talked about mixed media before, how that's stupid. I think I did. How it's stupid to talk about, to say mixed media about a painting or a work of art, because it's already a mixed medium. Um, when you have, I don't know, oil paint, for example, it's a mix of oil and pigment. So it's already a mixed medium. But the more common way of saying mixed media is usually referring to, um, I don't know, let's say using oil paint and and 
and uh, watercolors or something or you, you use cardboard and plaster to make a sculpture that would be a mixed medium um i forgot my point fuck oh yeah well that's that's what people do today is they they have completely new techniques and they have digital art for example that's getting more and more common i mean david hockney who's using his ipad to draw his own version of water lilies um which i think is pretty well pretty cool and it's only considered high art and fine art if uh, it's famous which is kind of fun but also anybody can make art and anybody can get famous and you no longer have the same boundaries that there were before that's something that Neil Gaiman also talks about in his book why you should make fine art is the fact that well the whole creative world is changing entirely and nobody knows what's going to happen in two years let alone in 10 years so you should do things that break the rules and break the boundaries because those boundaries have not yet been established and if you find something new to do then do the shit out of it and enjoy the shit out of it too because there's no you, there's no rules yet you know you can do whatever the fuck you want and that's uh, that's really really cool i think So, yeah. It's pretty wild how times are, are changing drastically for art. I mean, there's literally NFTs now, which, let's be honest, are just a big excuse for fucking tax evasion. But that's always been art anyways. Or fine art. But if you're out there and struggling to make art or you don't know what you want to do, we don't know what you're doing. Well, take it from me as somebody who studies art and art history. Do whatever the fuck you want. The world is yours and there's always going to be people who protest and argue and disagree, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, take inspiration from Neil Gaiman and me having read him. And I'm just paraphrasing him most of the time now in this podcast <laughs> and paraphrasing my lectures. Do something that makes you proud. Do something that you can be happy you have made. Whatever it is, whether it's a book, whether it's painting, whether it's a sculpture, whether it's uh, shoes, clothes, fixing your computer in a funny way, painting your walls of, the, of your room in funny colors, even arranging your plants in different ways and making them into bonsai trees you know which technically bonsai trees are kind of considered an art form in a way so go for it fucking take your time and and and, and enjoy the shit out of it otherwise what's the point if you aren't having fun in any case I think it's time for another water break. <laughs> I think I also wanted to talk about one last thing, but I kind of forgot what it was. 
Which is a bummer. But yeah, I don't know, the rain has been raining. <laughs> the rain has been raining. The rain in Spain falls mainly in the plains. I completely forgot what I wanted to say. Well, that's a shame. I have been learning more Dutch though. Pain in the ass. I can say very basic things. Yeah. I'm, uh... I was gonna say I'm not too happy, but that's a lie. I'm, I'm kind of happy if I learned Dutch. Or am learning. Even though I think that in a few years it's probably gonna be pointless. But, you know, yeah, it's kind of fun. Even though the pronunciation is horrible and don't even get me started on writing. I cannot write in Dutch for the life of me. I can kind of read it though because it looks like broken German, but that's about it. To anybody who wants to learn Dutch and that doesn't live in the Netherlands, uh, if you don't live in the Netherlands, don't learn Dutch. It's a pain in the ass and it's not worth it. <laughs> And uh, you will waste your time <laughs> learning a language that sounds like somebody is coughing up a furball every time they open their mouth. But you know, to all the Dutch Dutch listeners of this podcast, you you already know that your language is annoying as fuck <laughs> for non-Dutch speakers at least, and everybody speaks English. <laughs> nah, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's a, it's a language, you know? I think there's definitely worse in the world, like Finnish. I would not even want to learn Finnish. It's, it's an alien language. It's got no ties. It's not coming from German... It's not like from, what, Germ Germanic? Germanic? German ancestry languages? It's not from Latin? I don't know. It's it's not a it's not a not a not a fun language. If there's two languages I really wanted to learn these days, it would be probably Hebrew and Swahili and Arabic. I really wanted to learn Arabic, and I still do. I really want to learn. That'd probably be my first one. I'd say Arabic first, Hebrew second, and Swahili third. Because a lot of people speak Swahili and Arabic. And I like to learn Arabic. And all three of them. And also, turns out I can. And apparently. Mm-hmm. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I, can, I can apparently uh, speak R like the. I can say. I can pronounce the Hebrew R. Which sounds weird as fuck. And it's like a weird version of the, the Spanish R's, where you roll your tongue, but the Hebrew R is in the back of your throat instead. And it's a very weird way to do the R's. I'm not going to do it though, you'll have to take me at my word, take my word for it. Because it's weird and then... I, I find it hilarious, and I do it all the time. It's it's like a tick of mine. I don't know why I picked it up, and then I learned, I think, like, a month ago, that it was the way to 
say ours in Hebrew, which I found kind of wild. But yeah, if you're going to leave this podcast with more wisdom, um, I mean, I'd, I'm pretty glad to have teach stop. If there's one thing you haven't learned, it's grammar. <laughs> uh, I hope to have taught something. And even if I didn't, I hope you had a nice time. Because I will be uh, signing off and getting on my merry way. And uh, I will probably go read a little bit. As long as I don't yawn right into the microphone, which I thankfully did not do. And uh, I guess I will just uh, catch you later and uh, see you next time.